You're listening to the Touch Em Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and on today's episode, I have UFC Fight Night 174, the final event on Fight Island between with a main event bout in the middleweight division between former reigning defending middleweight champion Robert the Reaper Whitaker going up against former welterweight top contender breaking into the middleweight division with a huge win over top contender Kelvin Gastelum at UFC 244 that is Darren the Gorilla Till so without any further ado let's get this started and step into the ring all right guys how's everybody doing tonight um I hope you are uh, having a good day, good evening, whenever you decide to listen to this podcast. And it's coming out pretty late because the prelims are actually supposed to start right now. But uh, my week has been kind of crazy, and I was actually planning on doing this in the morning. But I want to get it out to you as quickly as possible. So some of these fights are not going to be the most technical breakdown. I'm just going to kind of give you who I think is going to win, why I think so. But we're not going to go too, too far deep into it. But uh, let's get it started right off the bat because I want to make sure I cover everything. So first off... In the, in the prelims, we have first up in the bantamweight division, you have Nathaniel, the prospect Wood, who holds a record of 16 wins and four losses, going up against former Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series alumni, John Castaneda, who holds a record of 17 wins and four losses. Um, this is a good fight. You know, I remember Castaneda's name um, because I remember seeing him on the ultimate, or on the, uh, on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. I remember they did the Snoop cast with Uriah Faber and Snoop Dogg. So I went back and watched one of his fight from the Contender Series. And one thing you notice about Castaneda, obviously he's a southpaw, really likes to throw that left hand, but he's very good at lateral movement and good at getting trying to get that outside foot. You know, whenever you fight somebody who's in an opposite stance, whether it's southpaw or whether it's orthodox, the southpaw fighter is always going to have an advantage in trying to get that outside foot to line up that left hand down the middle. And Castaneda against an orthodox fighter is always going to be looking for that. And the reason why it's easier for a southpaw who's right lead, right lead leg and then left foot in back or left leg in back, why it's easier for them is because as they're circling, they don't have to take as wide of a step to get the outside foot as the orthodox fighter. The orthodox fighter might have to take a step and then take the angle. The southpaw fighter just has to move with that angle. You should probably use a check right hook to uh, step off on that right side and then follow up with the straight left down the middle. And it also takes your uh, head off the center line. Now, when you look at a guy like Nathaniel Wood, he's very, very technical in his offense and his defense. He's good everywhere. He's a very solid, well-rounded mixed martial artist. He's good on the feet at keeping you at range, coming inside, pop, pop, landing that jab, landing that right hand. And then as you try to come back and counter, he'll cover with the right hand and then frame off with the left uh, the left hand. Um, he's like he's good at moving laterally, good at moving back. As you come forward, he also likes to throw that uh, snap kick or a push kick to your body as you come forward just to kind of stab it in there and keep you at distance. Now, a lot of people think that guys who like to fight at distance aren't good at the on the ground, so they want to keep the opponent away. However, when it comes to Nathaniel Wood, this guy, like I said, he's very well-rounded. He's good on the ground as well. He can easily tie you up in that body lock. He'll try to uh, leg lace you where he'll tie up your support leg and either try to kick it out so he can take your back and get the hooks in, or he'll try to hop on your back as we're in a standing position, maybe go for a body lock, get the, get a under, uh, get the duck under, take your back and then jump up, get his hooks in and grab your neck and try to get the choke. Um, his best submission is his rear naked choke without a doubt. Um, yeah, but you know, he, this is a tough fight. Because like I said, I don't know much about John Castaneda, but I do know that he can fight. And I do know that he has, like I said, very good lateral movement. The lateral movement could be a problem 
against Nathaniel Wood because it's going to be kind of it's going to be a little bit harder for him to find a rhythm when he's got somebody who's moving in and out side to side, fake and faint. But, you know, when it comes down to it, Nathaniel Wood just has the better competition. He's a former Cage Warriors bantamweight champion. Um, he's got good wins over guys like Jose Quinones and Andre Ewell. And uh, his striking is not is great. And, you know, a lot of people think he's primarily a grappler, but this guy has a banger of a right hand. Setting it up, stepping in, bop, land that right hand. Um, when he fights a southpaw like he did against Andre Ewell, which can be transmitted and used in an explanation for this fight. He liked to uh, parry that lead right hand down and then come over with the check left hook. As the opponent tries to close the distance, he'll parry down and he'll come over the top of the hook. So he'll he'll smack it away, bop, land that hook and then back off and then use that frame to keep you at a distance. Like I said, as you step forward, either a front kick up the middle or a snap kick to the body to take the wind on you, keep you at range. And then he'll boom, boom, land that right hand and uh, come inside, bop, bop. That's what he likes to do. He's very good, very quick, and very clean. Um, another thing he likes to do, and this is a, a big thing in terms of technical striking, and I think some people don't know what the point of this is, is as they come forward, he'll throw the right hand, and then he'll step out to his right with that right foot switching to southpaw and land the right hook and then step back to orthodox. So the reason why he does this is because if you're going to slip to the outside of a right hand, you're going to slip to the outside. You're not going to slip to the inside. So your head is going to be off the center line. But if you step forward with that right foot and then land the hook, it's going to run into, you're going to, the opponent's going to run into the hook off the slip. So uh, yeah, but when it comes down to breaking down the fight and giving you a winner, I think Nathaniel Wood, the prospect gets this done all day. I do think Castaneda is tough. He is good at uh reshooting. So if an opponent shoots a takedown, he'll stuff the takedown and then immediately reshoot on you to try to get you down. But I just think Nathaniel Wood on the feet is too defensively responsible. He's too good at managing his distance. He's going to catch Castaneda coming in. And I think Castaneda might shoot a takedown to try to go to the ground. And that's Nathaniel Wood's world as well. So I think he stops the takedown, takes the back, gets the hooks in, gets the rear naked choke, and gets the submission. I'm going to go with a second round rear naked choke submission for Nathaniel Wood. And then up next in the lightweight division, you have a phenomenal fight against Francisco Massaranduba Trinaldo, who holds a record of 25 wins and seven losses, going up against the black country banger, Jai Herbert, who's 10 and one overall in professional mixed martial arts. I do believe this is his first fight in the, in the promotion. Um, he is a former cage warriors world champion. I believe um, I'm actually going to look that up for you right now. Let's see fight pass. We'll just make sure that uh, we have everything covered for you. Let's pull this up. Um, hold on a second. Sorry, guys. Just give me a minute. I should have had this up already, but I didn't. So what are you going to do? We got to keep it moving, right? Jai Herbert. All right. All right. All right. All right. So he is... Okay, Cage Warriors. Yeah, he's a former Cage Warriors champion. And uh, the guy's very, very good. But so is Francisco Trinaldo. You know, I think Trinaldo doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. You know, he has losses to guys like Kevin the Motown Phenom Lee. And he's lost to a couple other really good guys. But he's also beat some very solid competition. He's obviously, I think, on the downward spiral of his career. He recently had a fight against, was it Lando Venata? And I believe he beat Lando Venata or did it go to a draw? Let's check this out. I can pull it up. Lando. Oh my God. Sorry, guys. Lando Venata. No. 
my god. All right. I'm sorry that this is, you know, happening right now. But he, okay, so he won his last fight against John McDessie. And then uh, he beat Bobby Green via decision. He lost to Alexander Hernandez. And I think a lot of people thought that um, Trinaldo beat Alexander Hernandez. He lost to James Vick. Um, beat Evan Dunham. So he's been pretty hot and cold in his career. When he came into the UFC, he was very uh he was very well sought after. Um a lot of people had big, big hopes for a guy like Masadan Duba. He's been around the game forever. He's a he's a veteran of the sport. Um and going up against a guy in Jai Herbert, I just think this is a terrible matchup for Trinaldo. Now Trinaldo has put off a lot of prospects in his career where it looks like he was going to lose a fight to a guy. And then he just eventually outstrikes them on the feet and out wrestles and out grapples them. And, uh, you know, to be honest, that could happen here because Trinaldo is no joke. He can fight extremely well. He's a Southpaw. He's uh, pretty technical on the feet. He doesn't overextend on a lot of his punches. He kind of just lulls you to sleep and then goes for combinations and tries to get out of the way. He's kind of a, he's more of a point fighter and very smart and very technical in his approach. He's not going to go out and try to uh, bum rush you and go after a lot of combinations, but he's not, um, he's going to try to pick you apart and point fight you. He has good spinning kicks from that with that left leg as he spins on the lead leg. He's very good at just seeing your shots and then eventually landing pop, 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 and getting out the way, pop, 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 and moving, pop, 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 and moving. It's like I said, more of a point fighting style of approach. But against a guy like Jai Herbert, you know, that's not an easy thing. That's not going to be an easy thing to do because Jai Herbert is a finisher. He is only 10 and 1 overall in his professional mixed martial arts career, but this guy can go to war. Jai Herbert, like I said, former Cage Warriors world champion um, at lightweight and, and just really been around the game. He's been around – He, I've said been around the game a lot today, haven't I? Sorry, it's probably because we're getting this um, these predictions out so fast. I don't have a ton of time to uh, break everything down as quickly as I want to for you guys. But this is a great fight. And, you know, Jai Herbert, he's a very long, very rangy guy. But he's good everywhere the fight takes place. He's got very good grappling, good submissions. He's primarily, he fights out of an orthodox stance. And he kind of fights in a karate style of movement. So he'll get on he'll get on his uh, on his bicycle. He'll move in, fake and faint, fake. Pop in, move out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Very in and out heavy. And then pop, pop, one, two. And then pop, pop, one, two. Um, he will switch stances with his kick. Sometimes he'll go um, right high kick and then switch to southpaw and land the left high kick to catch you as you try to circle away from the right. So you're circling away from power, but you're moving into power as well. He's very... um tricky and creative on the feet as well. Like I said, with the switch stances, um, he'll go jab, uppercut, switch, right hook, straight left, teep kick to the body. As you bounce off, he'll go knee to the body. Um, it's just, he's very technical, very clean. And he's very, he's very just lackadaisical. And that's not a bad thing. I think a lot of people think when you say lackadaisical on the feet, you mean lazy and he's not really, you know, he's not that extremely, uh, like he's not aware, but that's not the case. What I mean by that is he's so patient and so loose on the feet that when he comes at you, he can just catch you moving in, pop, pop, catch you moving in, pop, 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 pop. And then he'll move, switch stance, uh, catch you off on the circling. And against a guy like Trinaldo, he, who likes to fight in a point fighting style, I think that's just going to play into the game of Jai Herbert. I know Herbert's a, uh, he's uh the underdog, but I, I honestly think that's a bad bet. If you, if you, it's bad on the betters, I mean. He has phenomenal hands. The one-two is crisp and clean. Uppercut up the middle, so he'll go one-two. As you step forward, he'll land that right uppercut. Like they said, the switch stances, the high kicks from the southpaw and orthodox stance, and he's very good at catching you as you slip in. Bop, 
And now uh, as you like slip from one of his punches, he'll time you and land that right hand. Good on the ground, good ground and pound. And if you give up your if you give up your back, he can get those hooks in and submit you as well. He's good everywhere. This guy is a problem, I think, and he's a very, very bright prospect for the UFC to sign. And I think he gets the job done against Trinaldo. I think the point fighting style, like I said, is going to play into the game of the black country banger because he's so um, creative. He's not going to wait there and play games with you. And the the point fighting style of Trinaldo and the in and out movement is going to cause problems for Trinaldo because of how good um, Jai Herbert is with high kicks and moving off on angles to catch you. And then as you step in, boom. And I think people are going to think Trinaldo is going to try to clinch up, get in close, clinch up, and, uh, you know, try to get you up against the fence. But that's not easy with Jai Herbert is either. He's very good at getting the single collar clinch and then transitioning to the tie plum and landing knees up the middle, knees to the body. He's good at putting his head underneath your chin and kind of grinding into your chin and then opening you up in the uh, where he has the overhook and, and the underhook on the other side, landing knees, punches, elbows, and then eventually landing knees up to the head. So he's good everywhere. I think it's a big problem for Trinaldo. You can't count out Trinaldo um, – you can't count him out 100% because he has been around the game, but I definitely think that Jai Herbert gets it done here, and I think he gets it done via, via finish. I'm going to go with a second-round knockout for Jai Herbert over Francisco Trinaldo. All right, let's move to the main card. Let's keep it moving, keep it moving. In the welterweight division, you have the return of Hamzat Chemaev, who's uh, undefeated in professional mixed martial arts with seven wins and no losses, going up against Rice McGee, who holds a record of 10 wins, two losses, and one draw. Um, I think it's Reese McGee, but I'm going to call him Rice McGee. We'll call him Reese, I guess. Reese McGee. Um, you know, the, the thing about Kamzat Chemaev is they call him like the Habib 2.0. He's going to try to get in close to you, get you to the ground, get that body lock, get those trips and uh, hip tosses, and then control you on the top. Um, just vicious, vicious ground and pound. Phenomenal, phenomenal power in his punches on the ground. And uh, he likes to get that Dagestani handcuff where he locks up your hand in like if he has a referee position where you're on your opponent's back, you know, and you're uh you have your one knee in between their legs and then you have the seatbelt around the other side, he'll just go there, he'll grab your wrist with the far hand, I believe. I believe it's the far hand around the back and he'll hold your hand down and handcuff your hand to take away your defense and break down your posture and then just beat you to beat the shit out of you on the ground. Just pound you into oblivion. And, and he's very good at it. He's also good on the feet as well, though. But mainly his his game is to wrestle you on the ground. Now, Rice McGee is good. He's very long, very tall, very rangy for the welterweight division. He likes to fight at distance. Keep his hands down low. Pop, 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 pop. Front kicks up the middle. Um, knees to the body. But he's got a very, very solid guillotine choke. And he's good on the ground with being able to get out of tricky positions. If an opponent shoots a takedown, he's very good with the limp leg out of the takedowns. And then trying to take your back. And either get in a get a guillotine choke from the front headlock or take your back and get the rear naked choke. But I just think Kamzat Chemaev, Hamzat Chemaev, you know, he's a favorite for a reason. I wouldn't mind putting a little bit of money on Rice McGee just because I think there's always a chance that somebody can come in and shock the world. And Hamzat being, you know, an, a minus 800 favorite in this fight, it's deserved because he is very good. But I think, you know, people are drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too early. And I would definitely not have him be that big of a favorite right off the bat. But I do think Hamzat Chemaev gets the job done here. I think he takes him down early, gets him down on the ground, um, ties him up in the uh, leg, like the triangle leg mount like you see Habib do where he ties the opponent's legs on top of each other and then just grounds and pounds you into oblivion. And I think he gets the finish. Um, I'm going to give it to Kamzat 
Hamzat Chemaev to get the win via a first-round submission. I think uh, he beats him up on the ground, gets him to turn and give up his back, takes the neck, gets the arm under the neck, and then puts the choke in. So Hamzat Chemaev to defeat Rice McGee via a first-round submission. All right, up next, a really, really good fight in the welterweight division. Um, you have former, you know, longtime contender in the welterweight division, kind of been on a little bit of a rough patch, but he came back with a win over Max Griffin at UFC 248. That is Alex Cowboy Oliveira, who holds a record of 20 wins, eight losses, and one one draw and two no contests, going up against Peter Sobata, who holds a record of 17 wins, five losses, and one no contest. Um, this is a great fight, and it's very, very tough because Alex Oliveira looked very good against Max Griffin, but in the end, he was able to get out-grappled and out-wrestled and just out-grinded in the, in the third round. He still won the decision. Um, Alex Cowboy Oliveira is very, very good. Um, fights out of both stances, Southpaw and Orthodox, mainly out of uh, Orthodox, I believe. You know, Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm a little rusty on this fight. I didn't do too much research. But Alex Cowboy Oliveira just has a weird style. He kind of has a karate type of style, kind of like a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, but a little bit of like more of a brawler and a little bit more of a showman than Stephen. Uh, than Wonderboy, I'm sorry. He's, all, he's always on his, in like a side stance, move in and out. Take in and out, in and out. And then he's trying to time you when you come in to counter with the right hand. Um, come in, counter with the power shot. Counter with the power shot. Um, really good kicks to the body. Um, he has caught one of his opponents, I believe, with a was it a spinning back kick he caught one of his opponents with as they changed levels and uh dropped him and got a TKO. I could be wrong, but I know he got like some crazy spin kick or something as an opponent tried to change levels. Um, like I said, I'm not hundred percent sure. But uh, yeah, he's good everywhere. Good on the ground. He has submitted guys like Carlos Condit with a, I believe he got him with a guillotine choke. Correct me if I'm wrong. That, that fight was a long time ago, but he's had a little bit of a rough patch against very, very good grapplers. You know, a lot of people think Carlos Condit is, has phenomenal jujitsu. And even though he is good on the ground, he's not the, uh, he's not the best when it comes to wrestling against guys who are really, really good grapplers. And I mean, you look at Alex Cowboy Oliveira, he faced Gunnar Nelson and he was out grappling him in the beginning, but then he, uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. but then eventually he got mounted by Gunnar Nelson, got elbowed, the elbow cut him open brutally. He took his back, sunk in the choke and submitted him. Um, that was more of a panic from Oliveira, but the, the, he was, there was no way he was getting out of the choke either way. Um, like I said, a win over Max Griffin, he looked pretty good, very loose, uh, likes to keep his hands low and then just pop you as you come in. Um, Peter Sabata is, is very good. And I didn't know about this before or know much about him before I did some studying for this card. But Sabata is very good from uh, the southpaw stance. He's good at timing you coming in, uh, really good with his jab. He has faced, actually, a top contender in the welterweight division right now, which is uh, Leon Edwards, and it was a close fight. Um, he's very good with that southpaw jab from the right side. As you come in, he'll pop that jab, pop that jab, pop that jab, and try to keep you at distance. He was actually out jabbing Leon Rocky Edwards, which is a big... Uh, a big ask. I mean, I know it was early on in Leon Edwards' career, but that's still his performance in that fight was very, very good. Way better than I think a lot of people were going to give him credit for. And, uh, you know, he's he's good everywhere. Um, really good with the inside low kick. And I think he's going to be looking for that against Oliveira because they are in opposite stances, I believe. So he's going to look to chew that inside leg up with uh, the left kick, the left low kick. Bah! Bah! 
bah, and try to take out the lead leg to try to take a little bit of the pep out of the step of Alex Oliveira. And I think he's very good up against the cage in a clinch position, and he's good at getting you to the ground and getting some good ground and pound. He's good everywhere the fight takes place is Peter Sabata. And I think a lot of people aren't giving him credit because of all the names that Alex Cowboy Oliveira has faced. And, you know, even though he's come up rough and come up short in a couple of his fights, he's still you know, one of the, uh, a very, very tough ask in that welterweight division. But Sabata, that, that performance against Leon Edwards, where he was able to out jab him and he's very good with lateral movement and circling and angling off the cage. When you push him back, you push him back. He'll take that uh, sidestep out, cut the corner and then get out of the way and slip your punches and then come back. He does bite on a lot of feints, but I think Cowboy Oliveira keeps his hands so low that when he comes in to, to punch, he might get countered by Sabata. Sabata has that left hand is dynamite. And the right hook um, against Ben Saunders, he caught him a lot with that left hand. Boom, dropped him. Boom, dropped him. Left hook or right hook. Boom, dropped him. Straight left. Almost every time it was landing, it was dropping him. Now that is against Ben Saunders, who's like I said, you know, he's been around the game for a long time. He's had a lot of wars in his career. But I'm going to go with the upset, and I'm going to go with Peter Sabata to get the win here over Alex Cowboy Oliveira via decision. I think he is going to be able to keep him at a range, keep him at boxing range, not at kicking range or mid-range. Um, you know what? B between boxing and, and kick range, he's going to keep him at that perfect middle ground, try to land that jab, land those inside kicks to the leg, take away a little bit of the movement of Oliveira. And I think he's going to catch him as he comes in and try to counter him or just try to point fight him with that jab kick, jab, body kick, jab, inside low kick, kicks to the head. And uh, I think he, he cruises to a decision here. So I'm going to pick Peter Sabata to get the win over Alex Cowboy Oliveira via unanimous decision. All right, up next in the light heavyweight division, you have Paul Berju Craig, who holds a record of 12 wins, four losses, and one no contest, going up against Godzi Murad Antigulov, who holds a record of 20 wins and six defeats. Um, I didn't do a lot of research for this fight. This fight didn't really you know, impress me or jump off the card, so to speak. But when it comes down to it, I think, uh, I think Godzi Murad Antigulov gets the win here. I just think Paul Craig, the, and you know, the thing about this is both of these guys are very chinny. They've both got caught, dropped multiple times and finished. Um, Paul Craig does have a tendency to be losing a fight and then somehow throw up a Hail Mary and catch him, catch the opponent in a submission. But against Godzi Murad Antigulov, you're not going to be able to submit a guy like that who's got that Dagestani style of Russian wrestling where he body locks you, takes you down, puts all his weight on you, ties up your legs, ground impounds you, and then eventually looks to take your back, get the hooks in, and sink in a submission. Paul Craig can uh, use like spinning kicks and side kicks on the feet to try to keep Godzi Murad Antigulov away, but I think he's just going to be able to break through that, rush him, put him up against the fence, take him down, um, land vicious ground and pound, take the back and get a submission. So I'm going to go with Godzi Murad Antigulov to get the win over Paul Berju Craig via a, we'll go third round submission. No, let's go second round. We'll go second round submission. And uh, yeah, I just think he's too good of a grappler. And I think on the feet, although I, I would give a slight advantage to Paul Craig in terms of, uh, technique on the feet, which isn't saying much, but I think that the power goes to Antigulov and the pressure will eventually open up the, the entries to the body lock, to the trip takedowns, to the double, double legs and the, and uh, the, that Dagestani style of wrestling. And he's just going to get grounded and pounded. Um, up next in the women's strawweight division, you have the number seven ranked Carla cookie monster Esparza, who holds a record of 17 wins and six defeats going up against the number nine ranked Marina Rodriguez, who's undefeated in professional mixed martial arts with a record of 12 wins, no losses and two, no contests. 
Um, this is a good fight as well. You know, Carla Esparza has won some fights and lost some fights. She's been, she's been at the top and then she's got knocked back down and come back up. I mean, if you look at her last few fights, let's see, Carla Esparza last fight. Um, you look at the stats. So she beat Michelle Waterson via decision. She beat Alexa Grasso. She beat Viriana Verna Jandriboa. And then she lost to uh, Tatiana Suarez and she uh, lost to uh, Claudia Gadelia. But she is on a three-fight win streak. So she has really um, – she's – okay, here's the thing with Esparza. Is she the best striker in the world? Is she the best striker in the women's division? No. But she has – tightened up her striking and, and made it a little bit more technical with the jabs and the right hands. And I think she's more comfortable on the feet now than she was prior, which makes it, which makes her less active for shooting the takedowns. And it's more just a natural entry to a takedown. So she'll stay at distance a little bit, kind of pop you with that jab, the one, two, and then boom, try to shoot, get the double leg and take you down. Um, She's going to have the advantage in the, in the grappling against a girl like Marina Rodriguez. But Marina Rodriguez is un, is not is undefeated for a reason. You know, she's very good on the feet. She's good at staying at distance and popping the opponent with I believe she's a southpaw. Let's pull this up really quick. Marina Rodriguez. Um hold on, I'm going to pull it up for you guys and then we'll uh we'll give you like the final prediction, I guess. But uh here, let's see. Because I believe she's a southpaw. I just want to make sure that's the case. All right. So, okay, no, she's orthodox. But she's really good from the clinch position, getting the over-unders landing, and then eventually transitioning to either the uh, the overhook to the uh, tie, uh, collar tie on the one side and then landing elbows and uppercuts up the middle or getting the double underhooks and trying to rough you up with knees and elbows in the clinch. Really, really solid kickboxing from Marina Rodriguez. Um, there's a lot of people who don't want to strike with this girl on the feet. She's good at countering with elbows, good at landing vicious, vicious power, good power in the right hand and uh, left hooks. And she's got decent jujitsu. She can lock up triangle chokes if you think you're just going to take her down and uh, beat her up without any resistance. You you know, you got another thing coming. She has very, very solid jujitsu, but against Carla Esparza, I wouldn't be looking to uh, grapple. She does have good position up against the cage and really good power and pop in her shots. She doesn't wind up on her strikes. They're just pop, 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 pop. They're just coming out right from the gate and just popping out there. They're not winding up to try to get power. They're just boom, 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 boom. And when you're sharp, when you're a sharpshooter, sharpshooter with the striking, you know, that makes your strikes a lot harder to see. It makes it harder for the opponent to anticipate and it makes it easier to land because they're not expecting them to come at such a vicious rate. Um, against Carla Esparza, she's definitely going to be looking for the takedown. She's going to be looking to fake and faint, get into range, get in the body, lock up against the fence and beat her up. But in the clinch, like I said, Marina Rodriguez is very good as well. She has good defense. Um, I think she tries to get that underhook and the overhook on the one side, turn her up against the fence, land knees to the inside of the thigh, land knees to the body, pull her head down and land knees and elbows in the clinch. I think uh, Carla Esparza actually gets roughed up in the clinch. I think she will get a takedown. Um, there's a lot of people who aren't going to be able to stuff the takedowns of Carla Esparza. 
So I do think that she will get a takedown, but I think Marina gets up to the feet. And I think her striking is just too clean for Carla. I think she's going to get hit coming in, trying to enter for those takedowns. Pop with that jab, pop with the right hand, good kicks to the head, um, knees to the body as she tries to close the distance to take the air out of her and just stab her in the gut with her knee. And I think Marina Rodriguez gets the win here via finish. I think she finishes Carla Esparza in the third round via TKO. I think it's more death via accumulation. A lot of strikes, a lot of volume, a lot of counters as Carla tries to come in and close the distance. So yeah, I'm going to go with Marina Rodriguez to get the win over Carla Esparza via third round TKO and stay undefeated.